Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey, Amarillo is supported by the Discover Amarillo app. This free download is designed to be a resource for new Amarillo residents and anyone else who wants to keep up with local events, activities, shopping, businesses, and more. It even maintains a list of family-friendly restaurants with Kids Eat Free offers. You can find out more at discoveramarillotx.com or head to your app store of choice to download Discover Amarillo today. That's the Discover Amarillo app, now available for iPhone and Android. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to home entertainment and home automation experts, Sound by Design, online at soundbydesign.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com or pick up a copy at local newsstands today. Today's guest is Taylor Van Valkenburg. Taylor is the Vice President of Operations for U.S. Cleaners, an Amarillo dry cleaning business her family owns. And dry cleaning is probably not something you think about very often. Personally, I didn't know much about the industry before this interview. But Taylor's story offers a good look at how small businesses get started, grow, evolve, and deal with challenges here in Amarillo. And the past couple of years have definitely brought some challenges. I really love Taylor's perspective on the city and the investment that her family business keeps putting into this community. So here's Taylor Van Valkenburg. Taylor Van Valkenburg, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you. I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests and just ask you why you're here. How did you end up in Amarillo? Uh, my family relocated here in 91. So I was 10. We were in the Dallas area. And my um, dad got a job in Amarillo, and we came here. <laughs> was it as easy as he was looking for a job, and there was a job in Amarillo, and it, you just followed the it job? It was. He was, I think, looking for a change in his career and um, found a surgical sales job here. So he moved here, and then my mom found a pharmaceutical job, and a few years later, they opened a business. Okay. Ten years old Ten is... Years old. Old enough for a move like that to kind of be a big deal. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about it? I remember being nervous when they first told us the decision. It was easier for me than my sister. She was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I loved it. I made friends pretty easily. We moved, um, they moved us in March. I remember they tried to get us here a little early to meet friends before the summer okay. hit. So we moved into Sleepy Hollow. There were a lot of kids around. Um, you know, this is what I call home. So was it, did you know anything about Amarillo before that? Like, had you driven through on the way on the to way somewhere? to the mountains? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it was more like I'd been on I forty, <laughs> and when we came to look in houses, it was in October, and there was a blizzard, so we were stuck in our hotel. And hmm. from the Dallas area, we hadn't really experienced yeah, that. So and it was kind of fun to see that. I've always loved the mountains and going to Colorado. So it's like, ooh, we get snow here. <laughs> Do you remember, like, as a kid, having an impression of a new place? And I mean, did, were you aware enough to say, oh, there are some things here that are different from what yes. I remember? It was, we lived in a very small town of Prosper, Prosper, Texas. Okay. So it's, it's bigger now than it was. But I mean, we, there was one school, it was kindergarten through 12th grade in one school. So it was, it was a lot different. So people think of you moved from the Dallas area, you're going from this giant mm -hmm. place to a smaller place, but really you were on the outskirts Yes, and it was the opposite way. Yes. So it was kind of a little bigger city. I mean, we'd lived in Plano and Carrollton, so I was used to the bigger cities, but 
I don't know. Amarillo just, it was easy. It was easy to kind of find our place here. Do you have any perspective on your parents, like what that transition was like for them, you know, moving with kids and in the middle of their careers and starting something new, what that was like? They seemed to find their place pretty quick. My brother was younger and involved in sports. And so they kind of immediately found their group of friends through his friend's parents. And it seemed seamless. I mean, my dad was working in Dallas, so he had a long commute, which he didn't have here. I mean, Mm -hmm. he had a territory where he traveled, but he didn't have to drive to Dallas every day for work and back. And it was, I think, kind of finding their own place. My mom's from Dallas and always lived there. So I think it was kind of a fun adventure for them. Where did you go to school? Here. Here. Um, I went to Sleepy Hollow, Bonham, and Emerald High. Okay. And then after Emerald High, did you think of going away to college, I getting got out, out of, of here? here as quickly as okay. possible. At One that of those age, kids yes, at then. that age, I was like, gotta leave. So I went to Fort Collins, Colorado, went to Colorado State University. Okay. Why did you choose it. that? I have always wanted to be in Colorado. I just, something about Colorado and me when I was young was just like, this is where I want to be. So I got there as quickly as I could and loved it. My husband, now, he wasn't my husband then, was, um, had the opportunity to go to OU for in-state tuition. So and so we moved back, and I finished at UNT, but okay. I left it there. I actually moved there two different times. So, <laughs> did, did you intend to come back here? Never. No. Really? No. It was, um, we kind of moved, we moved here right after we got married. We were looking, he was going to grad school. So we were looking at um, schools to go to, And my grandfather was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer and had Mm. six months to a year to live. And so it was 08 also. So we were like, we just need to go somewhere where we can make some money. We can spend time with our family. We can both work for my parents because it's a revolving door at the cleaners. (laughs) So we moved here and temporarily in 08. And now it is our home. And I'm glad we did. He ended up not going to get his master's. He got a teaching certificate instead. Started at Boys Ranch and then moved to Tuscosa, and now he's a firefighter. Okay, so <laughs> the traditional yes, path, right? yes, exactly. <laughs> what I mean, what was your career goal at that point? I mean, when you went to college, like what was what was the my plan? degree was in? I had a double major in sociology and cultural anthropology. Okay, interesting. And, yes, no business background, and at the time, like we were going to just go to some cool, funky college town. He was going to become a professor, and I was going to do something for the university. Or I was probably going to get my master's in counseling. I took quite a few counseling courses. So I thought that I would use my degree for something much different than I'm using it for. All right. Well, you, you mentioned your parents starting a business, and you mentioned the cleaners. Um, tell me about how that happened. Because if your dad was selling you know, pharmaceutical sales, medical sales, yes. equipment, uh, if, if that was what the family was doing, like mm-hmm. – Opening a cleaners does not typically seem like the it next didn't. Step. He was laid off, and the opportunity to start this Amarillo is a great place to start a business. It's mm-hmm. people here are really loyal to local businesses, and it, it was easy. It was an easy transition. So he started this dry cleaners with not really knowing much about the dry cleaning world, other than we used one. And so he didn't. He hadn't worked at one like no, as a teenager no, or anything no. like that. He grew up in North Platte, Nebraska, and. No, he played on the lake. <laughs> Do you know so, why he chose that? So my great uncle owns owned a franchise of cleaners. Okay. And so he was like, I can help you start one there. And it just worked out that way. Was it the kind of place that, 
you know, your, your mom and dad own a business. So that's the business where you have your first job, where yes. you work in as a kid, like you had experience. Yeah. There. All of us started there when we were 15. We started way younger than that, just right. growing up there and doing stuff. But, but officially. Yes. Yeah, so we all started legally. working there when we were 15 and all of our friends would work there with us. So when my sister was 15, it was her and her group of friends. And then me and my group of friends, my brother, um, now my nieces and nephews, well, now they're in college, but they worked for mm -hmm. us and just, it's always been like word of mouth employees. It's always been a fun group of people that work there. It's always a tight knit group of friends. I wanted to ask, thinking about your parents, and, and maybe you weren't part of those decisions or those conversations, but you're there now. So when you think about opening a business that's like a dry cleaners, Amarillo is a great place to start a new business. But when they started that, there were a lot of dry cleaners here already, some mm -hmm. that had been here for a long time. And I, I wonder what they thought about the competition or what can we do to set ourselves apart from the competition? Like, how do we try something new where there are other people that are doing mm -hmm. it well? They did start something new. They started, I guess it was known as a discount cleaners at the time, Okay, um, which we're not a discount cleaners. We're a, a high volume cleaners is technically what we are. It was back then when it started, I think it was US dollar 75 cleaners. So everything was a dollar 75. So people would bring just tons and tons of clothes. Right. And, um, so that was a new concept then to Amarillo. Yes, Amarillo there were dry cleaners, but they had a little bit different focus, different clientele. Yes, they right. had. It was higher prices and um, longer turnaround time. Like it was more of a lower prices, quick turnaround time. We had a huge plant that we were running out of. And at that time, we just had the one location. So um, it was it was different and it took off. Like it was very busy. <laughs> and he was very glad that he made that decision. <laughs> Tell me where it was when you started working for it as an adult. Not like, you know, I'm working for my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. But when you came back in 2008, how had the business grown and changed? At that point, we had three locations. My parents and sister had um, grown it to three locations. So we had our main location at 45th and Bell. Our location in, um, it was in Georgia Square at the time. Now we've moved it. And then um, our Jim Lake Tesco Road location. With it being a high volume cleaner like it is, is that something that... You know, I, I know a lot of dry cleaners like have a dedicated clientele and they have, my dad went to that cleaners and I go to those cleaners mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's, it's a long relationship. Is it the same sort of model with you or do you tend to have like a lot more churn of, of clientele? No, our customers are, um, we have regulars. We have the same customers that have been coming to us since 95 when it opened mm -hmm. and um, they've become our friends. Like I've met friends that were customers and, uh, you know, we get to know them and have their clothes ready before they, you know, their car driving up and you get their clothes ready. And it's, I miss that part of it because now I'm in an office or right. I'm not in front right. of the customers anymore, but no, we have lots of repeat customers and their whole families come to us. And we um, moved away from being quote unquote discount cleaners okay. and so it's more, you know, high, high volume, high quality. And we just, we really take care of our customers. And I think that's something that was lacking maybe okay. with some other cleaners. When you came back in 2008 and thought, okay, I'll go work for my parents. Did you know what that would look like? I mean, did they say we've got something for you or was it just like, Come work for us. We'll figure something out. We'll find a place. Yeah, it felt like being back in high school, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like just back <laughs> doing the the job. And then um, our manager at the time, she had decided to leave. And so and my parents were going through a divorce. So my mom was buying my dad out. And my mom, they had a house at Possum Kingdom Lake. So she was back and forth. And okay. so 
she kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of take the reins and see what I could do. And it's just been an adventure. Was One that, that I, scary? What, like, did you yes, feel it was, prepared for that? I didn't, or like you had the capacity to do that? Or I got prepared. Okay. I kind of was, I had to, and I learned a lot. I've learned from mistakes and I've educated myself. We've traveled to several like bigger cleaners mm-hmm. and that kind of do the same thing as us and went to Oklahoma City and Dallas area and um, lots of trade shows to kind of see where we're behind or where we're ahead or what we can change. And we're still doing that today. Has the business itself changed a lot since you've been involved? Like mm-hmm. the past 15 years, technology or how cleaners operate? I mean, is it, it feels to me like an old-fashioned kind of business, mm-hmm. you know, but I know that's not true. I know that it's just as technologically driven as anything else. So tell me like some of the things I don't know. For the longest time, did um, we would staple tags onto every garment that went through. So we upgraded that system. So now mm-hmm. everything, and this was in, I think, 2014. So everything has barcodes, and we have a system that assembles it for us so it's not a person physically assembling it. Right. We have a, you know, we have a scanner that scans the barcodes and puts a customer's order together. With more locations, we have delivery drivers now. So we have one central location that we built that is, we call it the PF, our production facility. So okay. everything gets brought there. So it's like a lot of storefronts. That collect things mm-hmm. and then everything gets processed yes. elsewhere. It's been a big change because used to our storefront and our facility were just one big building and we mm-hmm. did everything there, which had its definitely its advantages. You know, if somebody comes in and needs something repressed, we could run it back and repress it. Now we have to send it on a van over to our plant or just a re, you know a repress job. And the customer's sure. like, I have to wait a day for this. <laughs> well, and I, I think the dry cleaning business is one that I, I imagine still has a lot of mystery to it mm-hmm. because it's not something – we can do it at home. If we could, we wouldn't use you right. know, those kinds of services. Um, so tell me a little bit about behind the scenes, like what it's like. You know, what what's the path that a shirt or a pair of pants, you know, takes when somebody drops it off and before it gets okay. back to them? Well, we first take the order in and then we have to check pockets, check for stains and defects. Like if anything some, somebody might not know they have a tiny little pinhole, which can turn into a huge hole if it gets stuck. So we just kind of examine the garments, mm-hmm. make sure they didn't leave lipstick or pen in a pocket. And If you find something like that, what do you do? do you uh, we have bags that we give it back to them. Okay. And we found some interesting things in pockets. I, I, I <laughs> we could have a whole segment on what we find in pockets. Would that need to be an explicit version uh, of yes, this podcast it episode? Would, it would indeed. <laughs> so we um, put it in the correct bag, whether it's light or dark dry cleaning, whether it's uh, if it's laundry, it's different starches from no starch to extra heavy starch or mm-hmm. um, cowboy starch, as we like to call That's it. That's what it's called, right? <laughs> And then it goes to our production facility where we, again, sort it there, make sure everything's in the right category so it doesn't, you know, get color fade on it just like you do at home. And clean it. And then it we have uh, pressers that they're just press close all day long. And then mm-hmm. it goes back to our, we call it the ADAC. It's our assembly Bay Area, and it gets uh, scanned and assembled and then sent back to our stores for the customer to pick up. Has the technology to do those things, the back-end stuff, whether it's the machinery to to launder something, clean something, or to starch it or fold it, press it, all those things, like, has that changed a lot? Have you had to keep upgrading, like, not, equipment? or Not really. This summer we're going to a trade show, and we're hoping to do some um, upgrading of some equipment because there is – 
a lot that's new in the last few years and they didn't have one for the last few years because of COVID. So okay. we're excited to go and kind of see what's out there and see what we can get for our pressers. They, they want some new equipment. So <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I, I visited the North Heights laundry service mm-hmm. or linen service um, when they were first getting started. And I saw some of the machinery that just fascinated mm-hmm. me because you could just feed something in there and it does all these things and it comes out all folded. And yeah. I just thought that was the, the coolest thing. Yeah. It would have been a lot of fun to run that. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned COVID. How has the, the past couple of years impacted your industry? There's not a lot of customer contact other than right there at the very front. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did that change things for you? Did you have to adapt? It did. It changed it a lot. We um, did what a lot of other businesses did and offered, you know, free pickup and delivery and contactless delivery. Um, we never had to shut down because we were considered an essential business. So we stayed open and we did shut one of our locations down, um, but the rest of them stayed open. And the, the Cowboys still needed their starch. Yes. Laundry is a big deal around <laughs> around this part of the country. So we didn't have nearly the the volume or the, the customers coming in. So many people were working from home. But you still had people that needed it or that didn't want to do it. We have a lot of um, older clientele that just aren't able to do their own cleaning and, and, and want us to. So we stayed open and paid our employees 40 hours a week, even mm-hmm. if they were working 20 hours a week and kept them on staff. Did your business decline because people were not like going into the workplace? Yes, The greatly. things that they needed, their nice, nicer clothing, mm-hmm. you know, dry cleaned. They're just sitting at home in sweats. Yeah. So you're doing Zoom videos. So. Yeah. I mean, like, was there a big drop off? Oh, it was for huge. You? Okay. It was huge. We um, luckily were able to do the PPP loans and stay afloat. And this, our business is finally back to where it was pre COVID. So we're very fortunate for that. How long did that take? A couple of years to really, really like just now yeah, like it's we're gotten just, to the pre COVID levels. Mm-hmm, but we're having the post-COVID problems and complications have been worse for us, I think, than the actually during COVID now it's harder to find employees. Okay. It's we're having a huge issue with um staffing people and shortages. We can't like of chemicals or materials, mm-hmm, supply hangers, chain stuff. Yeah. We're having a hanger shortage. Well, you know, you should talk to Every single person in Amarillo who has a closet probably filled mm-hmm. with dry clean hangers that they no longer use. Yes. Just we we that. advertise that we recycle hangers and we we get a lot of people that bring them back. But um, yeah, and just equipment, getting parts for equipment. We've had a van in the shop for two months now because mm. we can't find a part for it. So we just bought three new vans wow. in the last week because we actually are closing two locations to kind of try some new stuff, more um, convenience based. We're really growing our pickup and delivery service. Okay. And really we have a new app that we're trying to get off the ground now that will, it's kind of like Uber. You can request, I want my clothes picked up in a two hour window and you pick the window. And as long as it's available, you have someone at your house in two hours to pick it up. So we're hoping that that will take off here. It's really taken off a bigger city. So. Are those some of the decisions that the pandemic sort of pushed forward that maybe you wouldn't, you, you might've gotten to eventually, but because of having to pivot and shift and change, all of a sudden you're doing a lot more delivery than you were doing. Yes. Or all of a sudden you're relying on apps when you weren't. Mm-hmm. Yes, we never had an app before this. We we have an app right now, but it's not it's not good enough for us right now. Okay. So we're we should have a new one out really soon and that will allow more flexibility. You can even like call ahead and have your order ready for you when you get there, kind of like Target or, you know, different right, businesses right. around town that do that. So we're kind of just modernizing right now and we're having just such a hard time with 
getting to our other locations. So we we decided to shut down our two lowest performing stores. Okay. And just as a matter of efficiency. Yeah, and keeping them staffed is mm-hmm. really difficult. So um, and one of our stores is a mile from another location, so people can drive a mile further. And yeah. our other location out on Jim Lake and Tesco, so that we closed, we we will probably go back to that area once we can find a location with a drive through and the right location out there. We just had to shut it down for the time being. So I wondered, you know, one of the some of the big conversations that have happened as a result of the pandemic are how it has changed, you know, just the way people do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you start, you know, when you have businesses shut down for so long or you have people working from home, you know, two or three years later, you start to see kind of how those dominoes continue, you know, whether it's not as many people are wanting commercial leases as they used to mm-hmm. because businesses decide, oh, we can reduce overhead or by just work at home. And and I wonder, like, if your industry thinks about those kinds of things, if fewer people are going to the office in the future, if more people are using Zoom, does that change the dry cleaning business? I mean, are those conversations that you're having or that the industry is having? Yes, the industry more than us. I think Amarillo doesn't have as many big businesses here and large corporations that are working from home. So we have, you know, we have a bunch of our customers are bankers and you know they're going to work and, and lawyers really I know and then we have the the busy moms that are just don't want I mean who wants to do laundry let's be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> so which one of the things with our app that we're starting to is a pickup and delivery wash and fold service so you can you're a new mom you can pay a monthly fee and we'll be at your house every other day picking up your dirty clothes and dropping off clean clothes so that's like I said it's big cities have been doing it for a while and it's we're trying to start it here and lockers that you can go 24 hours a day and drop your stuff off. Yeah. We have Texas tech in the hospital community that, you know, they work crazy hours. So if they want to go at one o'clock in the morning and drop off some dirty clothes in a locker and then get a text when their clean clothes are delivered, they can do that. So we're just trying to be more focused on the customer and what and their needs and how to make it more convenient for them. Is there part of, you know, your your mindset where you're coming at this not having been in the business forever. You know, it's a family business, but like, you know, you're you're not like generation four of mm-hmm. a long run, running dry cleaner. Is is there something that allows you maybe more freedom to experiment or to look to what's happening in Dallas or some of the big places and to bring something new to the community and, and that still kind of helps you stand apart from your competitors? Yes, absolutely. You know, we always tell people when we hire them that you know, there's a cleaners across the street from most of our locations, and we really set ourselves apart on our service and how we take care of a customer. I mean, some of our we're cleaners, we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Every cleaner's is. You've heard horror stories, I'm sure. I've, something was ripped, something was lost, but we're going to take care of that. And I think that's why we've had such a a longstanding relationship with our customers and returning customers because they they feel comfortable bringing their clothes. People are very particular about their clothing and. I think they they can trust us. So, is there a weird kind of pressure being in a family business? You know that that your parents started, and now it's sort of under your control. And you're like, all right, I, I got to keep this going. We yes. need to continue to change, <laughs> continue to add stuff. I don't want to mess up what you know mom and dad put together. Yes, absolutely. And all these new things that we're trying to do. You know, what if they don't work? What if mm-hmm. what if it wasn't the best decision to shut down a location and work on the pickup and delivery part of it? But you know, if we if it doesn't work, we'll pivot again. Um, but it is fun to, you know, like I said, this isn't in my 
wasn't part of my degree plan or my path, right. but it's also, I, I, I do get to be more creative now than I thought it, in the beginning. It was, oh, I'm managing people. Ooh. But I have wonderful employees that help with so many different aspects of the business that now I can kind of focus on more where we want to grow our business and how we want to grow our business. Is there a challenge being in a family business that maybe other companies might have? Like, it, it's hard enough to be in a family, you know, <laughs> and you're in a family and you're working with your family. And yes. so you're the younger generation. Your mom did it before you were even in high school. Like, do you guys bring a different mindset and you have to figure out how to mesh that stuff together? Yes, we do, definitely. And um, sometimes we butt heads, but for the most part, we kind of each bring a fresh perspective. And, you know, she's she knows what her friends and in her age group like and want, and which is not the conveniences and the modernization that mm -hmm. people my age are wanting. So it gives us a good mix, I think, of both, like knowing that not everybody is going to want an app or right. want to work well with the app. So, But you can't only have customers who are in their 50s and 60s. Right. You know, you've got to continue to bring in more families, more younger yes. people. And even my nieces and nephews that have worked there, like, it's so fun to have them there because they take such pride in it. And they will, they have good ideas. Like, hey, why don't you do this? And they've brought really good ideas to the table. Tell me about just running a business in Amarillo um, as a community that supports local businesses, that supports entrepreneurship, that it is, is loyal to the local businesses. Is that something that you've experienced? Absolutely. Amarillo has been a great place to run a business. I mean, I don't have experience running one outside of Amarillo, but you get to know your customers really well and you see them outside. It's not a big city. So you see them at local events and they know your name and Amarillo's prices here. It's easier to, to rent something or buy something. It's not as expensive and you can experiment a little and know that if, if it doesn't work out exactly how you planned, then you can kind of change the course and, either not do it that way or change how you do it. But Amarillo is extremely loyal. And we've had customers that will leave us, just get upset about something, and they come right back. <laughs> so, you know, we hate upsetting anybody, but it's life. It's going to happen. So as a whole, I think Amarillo has been really, I don't want to say easy, but very comfortable to run a business in. Okay. Are you surprised that you've ended up here? Running a business, mm -hmm. living here, raising your family here when you wanted to be in Colorado or something? Yes, I am, but I also love it now. It took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, this is where we belong. We've made wonderful connections in the community, wonderful friends. Our kids go to a great school. We just, it's a good place to raise a family, just like it is to have a business. So I don't see us leaving anytime soon. This episode is supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college, which was, yes, a long time ago, and he's taken care of my kids' teeth ever since they came along. He's a national speaker on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. You can learn more by following Shimon Dental on Facebook or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Hey, Amarillo is also supported this week by the Texas Outdoor Musical. The new season opened last week, and it's going to run until the middle of August. The show is amazing this year, and even if you've seen it before, it's filled with some surprises. 
So reserve your tickets now at texas-show.com. And don't forget, in addition to tickets, you can also get a family dinner in the canyon before the show. Dinner reservations are required 24 hours before the show. They're $18.50 for adults, $13 for kids 12 and under. I remember so many summers when I was a kid. And my whole family would eat together before the show. Then we would enjoy the musical as the sun went down and the canyon walls lit up. Those are some of my favorite childhood memories. So if you've got kids at home, you know what to do. Reserve your tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com. Okay, I'm back with Taylor Van Valkenburg. Taylor, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes a 1924 International Harvester truck, which was built for heavy use in the oil fields and could reach a maximum speed of 25 miles an hour. Wow. So you don't want to use one of those to deliver no, dry cleaning. No, you don't. Uh, but it is a cool truck. Learn more about that, and you can see it at panhandleplains.org. Okay, what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? I would have to say resiliency. Okay. And just a willingness to help others in need. It seems like the Panhandle really took care of their own. And going back to supporting local, I mean, they just, you saw it everywhere from restaurants to just all kinds of businesses, people really trying to support their local businesses and keep them afloat. Yeah, there was a real push to, if you can't go to this restaurant, then buy gift cards mm-hmm. to that restaurant to give to people. Or to save mm-hmm. and you saw owners, for six months until we can go to this uh-huh. restaurant. And I saw owners offering to deliver it for free, leave it on yeah. your front porch. I mean, everybody was just kind of hustling to, to survive. And it seemed like the community really, especially those in need, they were taken care of. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Citizens that don't vote. Ooh, that is a good one. It drives me crazy. It's embarrassing how low our voter turnout is. And we need so many of the things that are not getting voted on in this community. Yeah, that's that's a frustration that some of the most passionate voters are often the no votes on things. Mm-hmm. And the people who would probably vote yes on certain things that our city needs, whether it's a civic center or additional funding for the police officers or something mm-hmm. like that gets shut down yeah. because the really excited people are the mm-hmm. naysayers. I don't care how you vote, just vote. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it shows pride in your community too to to want to vote on the things that we need or that you think we don't need. Right. <laughs> just, just vote. Have an opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. And use it. What does this area not have enough of? I would have to say recreational infrastructure, public amenities, our city parks are lacking mm-hmm. in my opinion. I have young kids though. So just ways to get our kids outside, which was another thing I saw during the pandemic. I'm sure you saw it too, just kids on bikes and kids outside again, like trying to find stuff to do. And I just wish our parks were better. There were more outdoor activities. Some of the things that our city's tried to do. Yeah, I know that that those are longstanding discussions that are happening about that. And not something that you can flip a switch and all of a sudden... Oh, there's all these great new playgrounds and mm-hmm. things at the parks that, that it requires, you know, uh, steering the Titanic around. Um, but that's one of the reasons that having a city government that, that thinks into the future, you know, the place our parks are now are from decisions that were made or were not made 20 or 25 years ago. Exactly. And so that ability to look long term and to think about what the future is going to hold and to plan for that, like that, that's why I'm excited that. The conversations are at least happening now. Mm-hmm. 
and the early days of the pandemic were so bleak when you had like swing sets and slides with caution <laughs> tape around them and, and yeah, all that stuff roped off. We were tra- still trying to figure out what was safe. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? Amarillo is unique. It's kind of a big, small town. It's not a small town, but it's not a big town, but we have a thriving arts community. We have wonderful artists and musicians and a great symphony and opera and theater here that I think a lot of people don't expect to find here. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot to do in this town. I think sometimes people say there's nothing to do, but got to look. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they're trying hard. Yeah. So there's, there's so much to do in this, this little, this little big town, but I'm always just impressed with how much talent is here. And other than the wind, I think we have a good climate. We don't have, it's not humid. The evenings cool down even when it's, the heat of the summer, so... 300 plus sunny days yeah. a year. So, I mean, it's... I don't know. I love Amarillo. I love what it has to offer, if you're looking. <laughs> What's your favorite building in Amarillo? If I had to choose on architecture, it would have to be something downtown. The The Herring Hotel is cool. The Santa Fe building. But if I'm going to be sentimental, it's the production facility where I work, because it was the last thing that my grandfather got to help us with before he passed away. Okay. And I told you he had terminal cancer. He ended up living 11 years after he got that diagnosis. So we ended up having a lot of time with him. And the last thing he did was help us build the facility. And he was there every day with his little folding lawn chair and he couldn't do much at that time. It was close to the end of his life, but he had so much pride in what we were doing and he was so proud of it and told all his friends about it. And and just sit and watch stuff. Yeah. yeah, He would sit and watch. He'd meet with a, the builders and the subs Mm -hmm. and he was the greatest human on the planet anyways. But it's just, every time I walk in there, you can't help but think about him or just, so I love that building for, for sentimental reasons. Understandable. But there's nothing exciting about that metal building that I work (laughs) in. Well, nobody probably knows what it is, right? Exactly. Is there there a big sign that says? No, a very small sign. What's your favorite local restaurant? I'd have to say OHMS. Okay. We have a lot of great local restaurants, but my husband and I don't get out as often as we'd like. And if we get a chance to have a date night, we always go there. Okay. The, uh, the OG of downtown restaurants before mm-hmm. hardly anything else was there. They oh, were there. Yeah. We have so many good ones though. What's your favorite neighborhood? I'm partial to Bivens cause I live there Okay, and I, my kids go to St. Andrews right in the neighborhood. So I can walk to pick them up if, if I have time and I just love Bivens. I love the old houses. We actually built a new house in Bivens, but okay. we still get to live in the old neighborhood. Yeah, Bivens is a really unique neighborhood um, just because you've got some corners of it where mm-hmm. old houses, old trees, and it's it's really mm-hmm. different from other places. Yes. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Well, I have never been to Cadillac really? Ranch. And neither is my husband was born and raised here and he's oh. never been either. So we finally decided we're just gonna wait and go when both of our kids can really enjoy it, which they're at that age now. So we'll have to go soon. But he doesn't have a memory of going. So I don't okay. he's like, I could have gone when I was really young, but never been. Isn't you know, I didn't go out till I was older, maybe college. Mm-hmm. It was just not on my radar or yeah. my parents. So I it's such a cool thing. And yeah. you tell people about it yeah. and everybody knows about it, but I've just never gone. Okay. Well now people will have heard you say that and yeah. hold you to it. Yes, so I, I have to go. I have you're to take on the my hook. kids. Mm-hmm. That concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Um if you haven't been to the collective, you should go now. From Six Collective? Yes. They that is so many people that I've talked to don't know about it. I'm like, go, go now. It's such a cool concept. And 
Casey Tam that owns it, she brings in so many fun activities to do. And I mean, you can go take a glass blowing, blowing class on mm-hmm. the right day. So I just love it. We always tell our family that is in Dallas, like if you're traveling through, stop there. It's a great pit stop. And it's really fun out there. Yeah, I feel like it showcases some of the best small businesses of Amarillo that mm-hmm. are making things it or does. doing cool things. Yeah, it's, it's just like, a, a place to introduce like all that creativity to people who are driving down I-40. Mm-hmm. And so many local artists have places there that yeah. it's just cool to see it all in one place. So I agree. I, I love to visit there. <laughs> well, Casey Tam was a uh, podcast guest when she was just dreaming of from six and had barely started the build out. So you can go back and listen to yes, I did listen what it to was it. and yes. what it's become now. So now you need to interview her again. I probably should. <laughs> okay, Taylor Van Valkenburg, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Taylor for the interview. You can learn more about her business at uscleanersamarello.com. Thanks also to sponsors the Texas Outdoor Musical, the Discover Amarillo app, Shim and Dental, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, here's what I'd like you to do. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Write a review if you want to. This helps other people find the show, and it makes me grateful. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Whitten. This has been episode 252. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>